Y'all can open to Romans 12. That's where we'll, we'll be. And we'll also be in 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> I want to look at something from a different perspective today, maybe a little bit. And I'm hoping that... Let me start off with this. You ready? Real talk. Nothing would probably hurt my heart or frustrate me more. This is probably everyone in this room, by the way. Than to know you poured your heart into something and it didn't become what you thought it would be. Anybody else hear me? You pour your heart into something. And it doesn't become what you thought it would be. And I've been, Mandy was like, um, some, we were talking about something and she was asking how long I've been preaching or it came up somehow. And I preached my first sermon when I was 13 and I said, I will never do that again. <laughs> I think they actually asked me not to ever do that again. I think I've told you all before, but I had like six or eight pages of notes where I, I was beautiful, man. I, I thought it all out. I preached about Jesus coming back. That was my first sermon. And um, no, when, no man knows the day nor the hour where the Son of Man comes. And so I had my notes all ready, and I thought it was going to take me forever because, you know, reading six to eight pages of handwritten notes should take at least 15 minutes, right? Ten minutes. Oh, no, I finished in like six minutes. I was so nervous, and I, I talked so fast, and some of you have been here a long time. Uh, you know I already talked fast some, but when I, even when you first met me, some of you told me, you talk too fast. And I'm like, I know, you should have heard me when I was 13. <laughs> My squeaky voice, you know, uh, 13, I talked so fast, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Oh, that lasted until I was about 16. So I've been preaching consistently since I was 16 years old, and I'll be 41 in a, in a month or two. And so that's a lot, that's 25 years of sermons, a lot of sermons. Being here, we've almost been here eight years now. I would just say I've preached or taught at least 50 times a year. I don't know. So that's 400 to 500 sermons or teachings in the last eight years. And I don't want it to not count for something. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of study. That's a lot of, it's a lot of life lessons that I learned so that I had something to share because I don't study to preach sermons. You guys know that. I say that all the time. I don't go home and, oh, during the week, Lord, what do I, you know, I want to read this and study it because I want to preach this. That's not, I preach what's speaking to me. That, and, and, you know, so a lot of people have told me that, um, that I'm very real you know, when I preach. And I hope that you feel that. I hope that you know that that's true. Well, I'm, I'm real because I'm talking to myself. It's, it's for me. Um, and if it's not for me, then I shouldn't do it. And so my dad told me years ago, if it feeds you, it'll feed people. And so going back to my opening statement, nothing would hurt me more than to know I did something to pour my heart into it and it didn't fulfill the fullness of what I hoped it would. I don't want to preach the gospel and, and be like, man, it didn't do anything. And so I, I mean that for today. I don't want to spend the next 20 minutes or however, it's not going to be long, but however long I speak today, I don't want it to be for nothing. I don't want it to be, oh, yeah, we agree with that. I don't want that. I don't need your agreement. I don't need you to say, oh, I've never heard that before either. Oh, that's revelation. This isn't, this isn't even mine. It's his. And what I do need, what I need, what I want is for it to be applied and actually produce good fruit in your family and in your life. I mean, I really mean that. That's really why I do this. 
there, there's no glory in preaching the gospel. I'm sorry. It's God's glory. Um, but what does the reward of preaching the gospel is seeing people come alive. And I can't even express how awesome it is when you see people come alive. And so that's what I want today. And so, Father, I just come to you right now, and I ask that you would speak living words through me today that cause people to come alive. I ask today, Lord, that you would help me to say what I need to say and help us to hear what we need to hear. I ask that your anointing would be here. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke. And so I know I can't do this without you. I'm not smart enough, and I couldn't, I could not cause one thing in my own strength. And so I just ask that today will be breakthrough and change in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Romans 12. We'll also go to 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 2. And I want to say this. Actually, I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this. Let's read Romans 12 first. Are you ready? Everybody in Romans 12? We preach on Romans 12, 12, 1 and 2 all the time. It's like really famous, really popular. And then the rest of the chapter we hear bits and pieces. Um, but today I want to spend time on the whole chapter. I'm going to read the whole chapter and we're going to break it down as we go. And there's some thoughts that we'll share. All right, so Romans 12, <coughs> verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice that's acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then it goes on and he says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of yourself than you should. Wow. Remember a few years back, you're not supposed to think more highly of yourself than you should, but that didn't say not to think highly of yourself. It's all, you're awesome and it's okay. You may remember that. I'm awesome and it's okay. It's okay to think highly of yourself, but not to think more highly of yourself than you should. It's not okay to beat yourself down and think nothing of yourself. Because Jesus really valued every one of us. So you're valuable, you're just not more valuable than we think we are. <laughs> Amen. All right. But think of yourself with sound judgment, as God has given every one of us a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function or purpose, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we're members to one another. Not only, listen to this, we're not only members of the body of Christ, we're also members and we belong to each other. And that's really important because we, we even talked about this today in, in, our, in our Bible study. What, we live in a world that, that overvalues opinion. Well, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about that? Everything is, and we argue opinions everywhere. I think the easiest example we used today was, well, I think this person will make the best president. Well, I think this person will make the best president. Well, we really will never know. Because someone's going to get elected into office, and the other one's not going to get elected. And we're, we can sit and argue, oh, well, they would have been better than that person. Or they can say, see, I told you, they're better. You never know. Only God knows. 
But we argue over the stuff that does not matter. Our whole social media platform is set up on, do you like something or do you not like it? That's the whole platform of social media. Like or dislike. And all that does, it's the spirit of the Antichrist that has come to separate everybody. And it's a really big deal that we stop separating ourselves from one another. It's important that we're surrounded by lots of people that think various things than what we think of. It's really important. It actually makes us healthier. We think that we're healthier when we're surrounded by people who think just like us. Well, we've arrived. Everyone, we, we must be right because look at all these people around us that think exactly what we think. And it's, it's really a cult. <laughs> like these cults that you see on TV. I don't know. Sister wives and all this stuff. I don't know. Seen any of that? What was his name? The guy, Jeff? Warren Jeffs, the guy with the Mormons who, they went to Colorado and wherever it was, Utah, and they built their little city where they, they was just inbred and it was gross and seedy and all the kinds of crazy stuff went on there, right? And they thought, well, this must be the right way because we were raised in this place and everyone here thinks the same thing. No, you're, you're a cult. We're not made to join into Christianity and everyone look and think the same way. That becomes a cult, and he's saying this to us right here. Look, you all have different functions. Your function is just as important as the other person's function. They're different, but they're equally important. And because you have different functions, God through his spirit says, oh, we need their function and their function and their function so they can be a full, healthy body. And then not only because he brings us into a family and says, you're all now the body of Christ and you belong to God. He then looks at us and says, and you also belong to each other. Can you think about that for a second? It, it's the picture of, of the greatest commandment, Jesus said. What's the greatest commandment? What? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the other is just like it, he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. We see this same truth brought into this about the body of Christ. You belong to Christ. Love Christ. You belong to him. But you also belong to each other. It matters what we do together matters. It matters that we're connected. And he's telling us about this. And he says, so, so we who are many <clears throat> are one body in Christ, yet individually we're, body, we're, we're members to one another. Since we have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us. Let me stop there. What empowers your different gift from my different gift? Grace. Everyone say Grace. Grace. Grace is not just a washing away of our sins, and we think of amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It washed us white as snow and cleansed us. That's not a full definition of grace. Definition of grace really is the empowering presence of God, where God literally ignites us and empowers us to do what we could not have done without Him. So He's saying, Hey, I've brought you all together. You're all different, and I love that you're different. I made you that way, actually. And not only did I make you different, I gave a function, a purpose attached to your differentness. You being the way you are has a purpose attached to that. And because of that, I have brought you into my body. And you are now the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And you belong to him. But not only do you belong to him, because you've been joined, you belong to each other. And this is a beautiful picture. And your function and your purpose that's different than mine makes the whole body actually work properly. 
okay? And we've heard this, and today I want to take it somewhere a little bit different. And I'm going to stop reading there because, I mean, it's just really good, but I want to, actually, let's just read it, yeah? Yeah. Read it, and and we'll finish. That's good. So, he says, you have been given different gifts according to the grace that God has given you. Each of us are to exercise our gifts according to the grace he gave us. So we're supposed to practice our differentness through the grace of God. Because I'm doing this as unto the Lord and it serves his body. But me operating in grace also adds value to the people in this room and to the body of Christ that we belong to. All right, let's go through this. If your gift is to prof- is prophecy, then according to your faith, prophesy. If it's service, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's exhortation, then exhort. He who gives with liberality, then give. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy and cheerfulness. Love, let love be without hypocrisy. Woo! What does that mean? How can love be hypocritical? I think he's saying, love is hypocritical when I say I'll only love what's like me. I think it's hypocritical when I say, I only love Pentecostal people. I don't love Methodists. I don't love Mormons. Whoa. I figure since I mentioned them earlier, I better, you know, love. Oh, I, I don't like Baptists. Because they think I'm crazy. Let's, let's break it down even more. I don't love people that prophesy. It scares me. People that speak in tongues, nah, I don't like that. I don't love them. I only love people that do what I do. Why? Because I think more highly of myself than I should. And because I think so highly of myself, I can only love myself that I see in other people. Ouch. He's saying, don't do this. Don't be hypocritical in your love. What is love? There's a whole chapter in the Bible that defines it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It seeks, it keeps no records of wrong. (laughs) It's it's all through this. 13, 1 Corinthians 13. Go all the way through it. It tells what love is. Love is a lot of things, but love isn't hypocritical. Love doesn't say, I can only like people like me. I can only value what I see in someone else that I like. So he says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Oh, he's telling you to do that. If it's evil, hate it. Don't love it at all. Hate it if it's evil. But cling to it if it's good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. In Philadelphia, no. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Whoa. Don't lag behind in diligence. I love, he's painting a picture here. And it's a very pinpointed picture. Be fervent in your spirit when you serve the Lord. Now, let's just dig there for a second. It's not really on topic. 
But how many of how many of us, if we were on trial for the way we serve the Lord, it would would the witnesses say it's fervent? They serve the Lord in a fervent way, in a passionate way. Would you please describe today how the defendant serves the Lord passionately? Would that be said of us? Lord, help it be true. Rejoice in hope. Persevere in tribulation. Whoa, this is good. Be devoted in prayer. Wednesday nights between 7 and 8, you can join us. (laughs) Be devoted in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. I love when I see the word practice in the Bible. Because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Because it says, you may not be good at this naturally. So practice it. I'm not probably very good in hospitality. So I need to practice hospitality. I need to be put in situations where there's a demand on my gift of hospitality. I need to coach soccer in a community with different various parents where I get pulled on and I have to grow. I have to be stretched. You, you're set in your workplace where you get to practice your hospitality. You get to practice your, your brotherly and sisterly love. Am I telling the truth? Amen? And then he says, bless those who persecute you. Oh, man, it was hard in, until it got there, and it was just impossible, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. We talked about that a lot last week. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those that weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Did that say, have the same mind as one another? What did it say? Be of the same mind with one another. Well, what is the difference? I think it's a huge difference. My goal is to be with you. That's the same mind. Your goal is to be connected to me in the body of Christ. That's the same mind. My purpose and your purpose is to be the body of Christ, fitly joined together, belonging to Christ, belonging to one another. And that's the same mind. What that looks like is various and diverse and different. But we have the same mind, and that mind is, I belong to you and we belong to Christ. Amen? Do not be haughty or arrogant in mind. Wow. And then he tells us how to help do that. Associate with those who are lower than yourselves. Wow. We, we, we have a hard time with compassion, then we need to serve people. If we're poor, we need to go serve some rich people. That sounds really weird, right? Oh, no, we should only go serve the people that are poor like us. No, no, no. If we really want compassion for people, if we're poor, we should go somewhere and serve rich people that we don't really want to like. If we're wealthy, we shouldn't go serve the wealthy people to learn compassion. We should go serve the poor. Because it's really easy to, I love Bill said this a few weeks ago, it's easy to hate the people we're called to serve that are different than us because they're not rich or, or they're not poor, whichever it is. It's easy to get offended if you're poor with the, with the rich. It's easy to get offended with the rich if you're poor. Am I telling the truth? It's easy to get offended with the poor if you're wealthy. Well, they should just work harder. They should spend their money better. But God wants us to be compassionate with one another. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Woe. How many of you have ever felt wise before? How long did that last? <laughs> it was a short period, but I felt so wise. The whole world made sense to me. I understood the mysteries of all things, and then three seconds later, it was over, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know two plus two. <laughs> Do not be wise in your own eyes. Never pay evil for evil to anyone. Oh. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Like the things that are right. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. Don't be found guilty of stirring up strife. You do your part and be at peace with people. Never take your own revenge. Again, see last week if you want more on that. Don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> Again, go back to last week if you weren't here, Isaiah 54. Let God take vengeance and vindicate us when we've done wrong. Because whenever I've done wrong, I promise you I would rather let God judge me than man. God's merciful. Man is not merciful. So when I do wrong, I, God, please be merciful to me. If we want mercy when we've done wrong, then we should treat everyone else with mercy. And let God take care of it. He's the only one that can really take care of it well. And then it says, for it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, give him some food. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, <laughs> you are putting hot coals on their head. Oh. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I always wondered, what did it mean to put hot coals on their head? I'm sure there's a, a theologian out there that can explain it. I can think of one time where hot coals came upon people's heads. A flame. When the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they all were given an individual piece of the original flame. And I think that when we do good to other people, we invite them into an encounter with the Holy Spirit, to the family of God, where the flame of God can be ignited over them. I don't know that's my take on it. You, you can argue theologically or not. But I just think when we treat people well, we invite them into something they had no access to before. <clears throat> that's all good, right? So... Let me say this. It's not enough to be unique, different, and various in our purpose. The key to this whole passage, and I was going to also read it in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about gifts. <clears throat> the key to this is not the fact that you're different. The goal isn't, oh, I, he just wants us to be different. The goal of this is he wants us to be in a body connected to Christ and to one another. Hello? He wants us in a family where we're connected. Life flows from and to one another. But that's not even the end of this. Listen, this is, I'm telling you, this is going to help. 
He not only wants us to be different. He not only wants us to be in a family connected to one another, giving life to one another, receiving life from one another. He wants us to be different, doing all those things in our own function with the grace he gave us. What is that? Why, what is the distinction between this? Well, one says, I'm just different, and I'm part of the body, and it's okay. You can take me or leave me. I'm just different. Another says, I'm going to take how I'm different and the grace that's upon my differentness, and I'm going to allow it to add honor and value to your life because we're connected. I'm going to function in my purpose. Please hear me. We belong to Christ. We belong to one another. If I stop at just being different and I don't function in my differentness, then there's no benefit to the body and there's no benefit to one another. Is this making any sense? We all must fulfill our diverse function for this to actually click on all cylinders. You have to be functioning in your grace for the body of Christ to be at its fullest and for you to be at your fullest. Coasting, sitting back, drafting. <laughs> Ever watch NASCAR or bike races like the Tour de France? Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he'll be here actually the 23rd coming up. But he just rode in the Texas, the hotter than hell uh, race that they have every year. And it's like 100 miles, 120 miles or something in the middle of the summer. It's ridiculous. I'm like, why, why would you do this? Why would you sit on that little bitty bike seat for eight hours? I don't understand it. I just can't. I can't get it. I don't get it. And he does it all the time. And um, he, he's got a little bit better bike. It makes it easier. You go faster. But he learned this year that, that being in a team is the only way to do bike races. Because when you're tired, just like the geese when they fly in the V-shape, the first one is creating a draft that makes it easier for those behind. So when you're, he was saying that you can average like four or five miles per hour more when you draft off of one another in a team. And he's like, man, we went, he said, I went 100 miles this, this year and I was ready. I could have kept going because we drafted and I didn't waste so much energy being out there on my own. That's what I mean. You're serving your purpose and you're functioning in your grace that's different from my grace. But when you do that, when you function in your grace, we become a streamlined team where I can, I can rest and, and go behind you and then I can change places with you and you can rest. And it makes it easier for us to function wholly as a body. We have to function in what we've call, been called to. If we take time off or if we get out of line, we miss the benefits of the body. If we disconnect ourselves, look, this happens so much in, in churches, and I, don't, I do not understand it. I, I'll never understand it. As, as long as I live, I will never understand this. Why we break fellowship with other people that don't believe what we believe inside the church. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. This may be my soapbox for right now. I don't know. But where I say, I don't need what you have because you're different from me, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. It's arrogant. It's haughty. It's all the things we read here. It says, because you're not like me, I'm not going to add my grace to your life and help you. And it even says, 
and I don't need the grace that God put on you. I'm fine on my own. It's so gross. So connect to a body. Stay connected. And then don't just say, oh, I'm here, I'm connected, I'm different. Function in your grace. Because not only does it bring value to you, it brings value to the whole entire body of Christ. Amen? Amen. That's good preaching. (laughs) I heard this this week, and I won't tell the source because it just doesn't matter. I just heard this, and I thought it was amazing. It was beautiful. Religion comes in and tries to make everyone a brick. You got to all be a brick. A brick is this shape, it's this size, it's this color, and it, it, that you're just going to be a brick. Come in here to Christianity, and we will teach you how to become a brick. And then we will tell you where we put you in, the, in this building of the church. But the kingdom says that you're a stone. You're a stone. You're different. You have different sizes, different shapes, different cuts, different angles. They're not all cookie cutter. And only the stone that the builders rejected, which is Jesus Christ, knows how to build that into a body. Like, we take people, and we think we can fashion them into a brick, and then we know, like, we're the architects, the capital A, when God is the capital A architect. And we think, if I just make them into a brick, then I can maneuver them and manipulate them into some sort of building that looks like the body of Christ. How foolish have we become? When we do that, we are completely cutting off the grace and the power source that is in each individual stone that God has called us. And this, this, I heard this, this was about something completely, it wasn't even a religious thing that I heard this from. But they were talking about how you take a brick house, and it's pretty. Brick house is pretty. But how many of you have ever seen a stone castle? Something that's like a brick wall around a castle or a stone wall that takes real skill and real art, artistry and craftsmanship to make it fit and function as this beautiful wall. I'll take the brick. No. I'll take the stone wall every time. It just is more beautiful to me. And the Bible says it's, it's here in First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, And coming to him, Christ, as the living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones. Everyone say living stones. Say it again. Living stones. Not bricks. Are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Wow. We, as stones, different, unique in size, shape, function, are being fitly joined together as a body of Christ that's created a holy priesthood. Just like we read in Romans 12, which can offer now spiritual acts of worship unto the Lord. Did you notice that the the language is the same there? Offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to Jesus Christ. What did Romans 12 say? Uh, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. 
We are being built into this beautiful house, this beautiful body of Christ that is built by living stones, not bricks that have been fashioned and formed by the cookie cutter religion of man. We have been brought together with Jesus Christ, who was the cornerstone that they rejected. Jesus was the cornerstone and he stood in front of all the religious architects and they said, oh, we, we reject you because you don't look like a brick. You, you can't be the Messiah because the Messiah is going to fit inside of our box. And it's going to be a brick. So they rejected Jesus, the cornerstone, the original stone. And he came and he's and he is the one now who's the chief architect who's building all of us rejected stones. And he's brought us together as living, beautiful stones that he's building for his honor, for his glory. So what's the what's the final point? What should we take away from this? You're a stone. You're not a brick. Amen. And the value of a stone is not off by itself or it just being different. The value of these living stones is for them to humble themselves and say, you know what? I need to be part of a body. And when I'm in this body, I'm going to bring all of me with me. I'm going to bring my strength. I'm going to bring my weaknesses. I'm going to bring the grace that God's put upon me. I'm going to bring my history. I'm going to bring the revelation God has given me. I'm going to bring my scars, my pain, my suffering. I'm going to bring all of it. And I'm going to connect to a body so that everyone can receive life from, from my experience, from what God's done through me. And then I can, rele- I can receive and pull from you life through your experiences and through your pain, through your struggles, through your victory. But that can only happen when I'm functioning as the stone that God made me and you're functioning as the stone that God made you. And I want to say this. The Bridge Church needs everyone in this room, everyone that's connected to the bridge. Some of you listen to the podcast every week. I'm talking to you right now. We want to see your face. We want to rub shoulders with you. We do. You're awesome. We love you. Everyone in this room, we need you to be the stone that God has called you to be with the grace he's placed upon you. You don't have to look like everyone else in here. You don't have to function the same way. We need you to function in your gift, whatever that is. But we need you to connect. Only in the connecting will strength be given to the full body. It's like in Ezekiel. See the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live again? Well, only you know, God. Well, prophesy. Prophesy to the bones. I'm prophesying to the living stones in this room to come together. I prophesy to you. I tell you right now, stones that are of the bridge church or should be the bridge church. Man, I command you to get into your place. And now I prophesy to the wind of the north, the south, the east, and the west for the wind of God to blow and breathe life into these living stones. And I want to hear a great rattling together as you rattle the bones and bring them to life. And growth comes and muscle and sinew forms and strength. And it rises up, like you said, an exceeding great army. I prophesy that right now in Jesus' name. I want to end with this. You have favor and connections with people that I will never, ever meet unless you connect us together. I am telling you right now, 
that God wants you to go gather some stones, some of your neighbors, some of your friends, and bring them to the Bridge Church. Look, I'm going to be completely honest here. We don't have everything together here. We don't have everything here that would support a healthy family. I'm going to say that honestly. We don't have the programs. We don't have all that right now the way we want them to be. I'm just being honest. But when we come together as a body, as living stones, everything we need will be in the house. And so don't say, well, I don't know if they would fit into our cult. Bring them. Look around the room. We're all really different people. We're all very different people. We all think differently. We're all quirky in our own ways, right? We need, and, and I'm just saying this, would you please invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers, tell them to come to the bridge. I can make, I can make you one promise. We will treat them well. Promise you that. I will treat them well. The church will treat them well. We will not make them feel stupid. If you've known me for any amount of time, my core value and Mandy's core value is to treat people well, period. I don't care who you are. That is our core value as a family. Hopefully you've had, you experienced this from me. We will treat you well. We will not manipulate you. I will not manipulate you from the pulpit. I'm just being, I don't know why I'm even going here, but I am. I have zero desire to manipulate or move you into a specific direction. I only have one desire, is that to offer what's available and let you choose and decide. And so you have friends, you have people you have favor with. They, they like you. You've already got a check in the box. That, hey, they, they like you. Bring them to the church. Bring them to the bridge. Invite them. You never know until you invite them. Some of them don't even know the Lord. And they will go to hell tomorrow if no one tells them. Like, they will literally die and go to hell. It's a real thing. And we're living next to them, and we're in the cubicle next to them at work, and they're, they're literally on the path to hell unless someone snatches them from it. And Romans says, how will they know unless someone tells them? How can they believe in something they've never even heard? And you're, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with them every day. You probably even pray prayers over them. Well, add some feet to your prayers. Ask them, invite them. Invite them to your house for dinner. Ask them if you can pray over them. Do the work of the evangelist. All of us, do the work of the evangelist. Why? Because they're part of a body. They just haven't been connected yet. They carry a grace. They carry a, a life source in them that we need in the body of Christ. We just haven't connected with them yet. And I know as we do this, we will become stronger Life will be poured into you, into the Bridge Church, into the church worldwide. If we get past this thing, we don't have to agree. We don't have to look the same. I don't care about any of that. Do you love Jesus? Okay, good. You're cool with me. Let's go. We can deal with all the rest as we go. I don't care about that right now. So two questions. Will you allow us to see the grace that God has given you for your function? And will you invite other people on the journey? Two things. Will you do that? And I want you to think about it this week. I want you to make a commitment with the Lord. It's not between me and you. This is between you and the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you that you love us being diverse. <laughs> I love it. I don't think we can even understand how much you love our differentness.
God, I ask that you would connect the living stones of the bridge. Connect us to life. Connect us to you and to one another. God, I ask that every one of us will begin to function in the grace you've given us for our specific, unique purpose that serves our own, our own dreams, our own destiny, but also serves the body of Christ. I ask that you'd stir that passion up for, for, for functioning in our grace. And God, I also ask that you'd stir up the work of evangelism in us to go grab other stones that have been discarded, that have just been left aside, and help us to bring them into a family of living stones where you, the chief cornerstone, are joining us beautifully together into a house, a beautiful house that hosts your presence. And God, we thank you for this, and we love you. We surrender to you. Yes, Lord. Yeah, just take a moment and just have a conversation with the Lord. going to close we have communion if you want prayer we'll be here at their front but i want to go ahead and pray for the for the bread and for the the juice but father you said as often as we do this that we're to do it in remembrance of you and and i know that word can also mean to remember to bring back into into function so father today i ask that as we take communion as we remember what you did at the cross that you would do what we talked about today and connect us and remember us as a body fitly joined together. Jesus, I honor you for your sacrifice, for surrendering your body to take the penalty for all of mankind. You became the punishment that God demanded. You took it upon your shoulders so that we could be unpunishable. And I thank you for it. And God, I ask that every one of us would grow in our understanding of what you did at the cross the rest of our lives, that you would take us deeper in understanding of what the atonement means, at one meant, the atonement, God. So thank you for giving your body. Thank you, Jesus, for spilling your blood. Hmm. For not considering equality with God something you desired. But you humbled yourself as a man, and then you died a death on a cross. You became the curse so that we could be blessed. So, Jesus, we thank you for spilling your blood. By your stripes, we were healed. By your blood, we were washed and cleansed. You said that though our sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. 
you did this at the cross, and we thank you for it, and we remember that today. We honor you, Jesus. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Your name is above every name. Uh, because you did that, we are now sons and daughters who were bought with that blood. <laughs> and we love you today. Amen. If you want to come up, we can be served.